Welcome to the Joe Schmo Theology Podcast, where we discuss confessions. I ain't confessing nothing! Reformed theology. I don't know what either of those words mean. And apologetics. I am not apologizing for anything either. I am your host, Adam D. Murray, and joined with me today on this program is my brother, Aaron D. Murray. What's up, y'all? This is episode 21 of Joe Schmo Theology, the podcast where two dummies talk about smart things. I'm Aaron. And I'm Adam. We are the Joe Schmo Bros, and Adam... Our uh, our podcast is is twenty one now. Legal drinking age, We're, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. should our podcast drink? I, I I don't know. Should it? I, maybe we should talk about that. I feel like that's something. Should, we should that talk be about our, our our topic? Is is should our podcast be able to drink or not? I mean, I didn't prep for that, but well, I don't think our podcast <laughs> should be able to drink, mainly because it can't, because it's a podcast, because right. it doesn't have a mouth or a stomach. <laughs> Keep going with this, but okay. I think. What we could talk about, instead of should our podcast drink, is we should review and talk about the book Should Christians Drink by Peter Masters. Peter Masters. Yeah, he wrote a book called Should Christians Drink? The Case for Total Abstinence. Great. Yeah. Great. I probably should have read it. You probably should have. Yeah. No, I did read it. But, okay, well, as as we kind of think about this, I want to know how you're doing. Yeah. How's your life going? It's going... How's your beard growing? Because it looks like it's a little fuller than you normally let it. I meant to trim it up today. No, don't do that. Lost track of don't time. Don't do that. Oh, um, you oh you lost track of time. Yeah. Were I you did. supposed to be here like an hour ago? I no, I was supposed to be here. Yeah, almost an hour. Almost ago. an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, how how why were you so late? What well, happened? because you texted me and I woke up to the text and just read it in like my. Your My sleep dreamy groggy. stupor. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. and I thought you were coming to me. So it's, so, so you got so you it, got confused when I said in my text, and I quote, can you come over at two instead of one? Yeah, and I was like, oh, can you? Can you come over? And I was like, yeah, Aaron's coming oh, over Oh, you are to so me. dumb. <laughs> I know. Well, it's like 2.15, and I'm like, where is this chump? And I thought I heard people walking in. I'm like, oh, maybe he forgot where I lived. So I was like getting ready to call you, and I pulled up the text because that's the easiest way for me to do it. Uh-huh. And uh, I saw the text, and I was like, hey, oh. I should probably let you know that I'm going to be late. The podcast where one dummy reads texts incorrectly. I So I'm not going to lie to you. I actually think I'm a little bit less toxic. Uh-huh. Like the more I think about that being a possibility, the more I think it actually is true. I think I am with numbers. I can't do numbers very really? well. No, I can't do it. I just read things funny all the time, but... Mm. Like when they heard, it'd be like, uh, when heard they, when, yeah, when heard they, Jesus like, words acknowledged that way God was right. Wait, hold on, yeah. So anyway, um, so you read. So I apologize. I, I apologize for being late. No, no, it's fine. It's cool. Um, this is probably gonna be a shorter podcast because really? of that. You know, because okay. I gotta get my son up from a nap and then go pick up my lady. Well, then let's go ahead and get started. Well, no, I mean we'll get started. It's yeah, all right. I'm just gonna tell you how my how my life is. And it's fine. <laughs> how's what? How's wedding planning? Um, wedding planning is coming. We're to the point where it's like all just little detail stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. So I'm still trying to figure out what we're gonna wear. I thought you sent us a text of what we're supposed to get. I did, and then Austin gave me pushback. Apparently, you're not supposed to do belts and suspenders because that's dumb. And I kind of agree. So 
We're so just, just do one or the other. How yeah, hard is that? We are. And that's about that's about where we are on it. It's fine. Okay, it's you're just, making it like a big deal. Yeah, I like to be dramatic. I have a flair for the dramatic. Oh my gosh. Um, but no, we're, we're coming along. We're coming along. We were going to do some last night and neither of us wanted to do anything. We were just totally unmotivated. So mm. um, I was in New Orleans oh. last, last week for Grant's bachelor party. So that was fun and lame at the same time. Yeah. Mainly fun. Really fun. New Orleans is just an interesting, weird place, and there are certain places you don't go at certain times of the day. So. And did you go at those places at the wrong times of the day? Uh, I found myself there once. Okay. Yeah. It was like, I got off the phone with Hannah. She's like, is it crazy? Is it all good? And I'm like, no, babe, it's all good. And I get off the phone, and like fireworks start going up, and I go back to find Grant and, and Luke and like walk through the street and it's like the entire city gathers on this one street at night pretty much and it's just like everyone just gets wasted and hammered and like it, that's all uh, it is that's all it is a big party uh, so um, anyway <clears throat> so that was um, that was it I mean the rest of it was pretty much just like exploring the different parts of the city and going to shops and jazz music and that type of thing mm. some dude was wearing a python you know like those street python. bands yeah those street bands that are out there playing jazz and stuff this oh guy not like, like a snake no like... no he wore a python oh, he had a, like a weird. giant snake around his neck it was awesome gross it was sweet uh, but that's it for me man nothing else is going on nothing new under the sun uh, what's up with you I've been dadding it up today dadding it up oh yeah, yeah my, uh, he's my, the man my wife said a uh, woman's retreat today so she took Dominic so I've had Desmond all day, so we got breakfast together. Nice. Went shopping for shoes, because he has to have a new pair of shoes every two months, it seems like, because he's growing so much. <laughs> um, I watched War for the Planet of the Apes while he watched construction videos on YouTube. Okay, did you like that movie? I, I actually did. That's I, the newest one, right? That's the newest one. I hated it. See, I, I didn't I didn't see it in theaters. I wasn't really... We didn't either. ...too pumped. I didn't really know what I was going into, but it turns out it, it was like a prison escape movie it just so which boring. i kind of liked i liked it i thought it was so boring i thought it was great there was no dialogue <laughs> that's one dude that's way most of those movies are well not the uh, first one anyway not the first one i know but we did that then uh i went and got fitted for another wedding that i'm in nice the second one of this year yours Colin. will be the third yeah nice. yeah yeah yeah. i'm um, only in two and one of them's mine so yeah yeah uh what else did we do oh i put him down for a nap and I waited for you to come over, and I waited for you to come over, and, and I waited for you to come over, and then I took a nap. Nice. But it was it was just a short nap. So it's boring. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. We're talking about this book. Um, this book, like I said, is written by Peter Masters. Apparently. Do you have any, any info on him? Any background on him at all? Well, I was literally just about to say, <clears throat> before you interrupted me, that cool. he is uh, the pastor at London Metropolitan Metropolitan Tabernacle, which is formerly Metropolitan. Charles Spurgeon's old church. Oh, nice. Um, so he's a Baptist. Uh, so well, you're a Baptist. It figures. I know. I was just hoping you'd be a Presbyterian, so it wouldn't tarnish <laughs> hey, the Baptist I, name. I didn't. I didn't think this book was horrible. I didn't either. Actually, I thought it was the most thoughtful book I've read. Well, I mean, I haven't really read any books. <laughs> like I've read pamphlets and things, or like articles and blogs and stuff. I'm checking, yeah. and I think this is the most thoughtful book yeah. I've read on that. Yeah. So I think the title kind of gives it away. His whole case is that Christians should not drink alcohol um, and it's not permitted. I don't remember if he ever said that it was a sin. No. Um, I think he was really careful about that. Um, I don't think he... It was just so heavily implied throughout the entire yeah. book. But I don't know that he, those words ever came out. Dude, 
Get your dog under control. <laughs> well, I don't want to throw him outside because he'll start barking. So we'll just have to... He'll fall asleep. Keep going. Um, no, I don't think... I just don't think he ever actually said it. I just right. think it was implied throughout the book. Right. Um, so what were... Just as we're talking about this for those who listen, what were some of the main arguments that he had uh, for why Christians should abstain? Um, the biggest one that he spent the most time on, surprised me actually, is that alcohol is not inherently evil, right? That it was, that it was permitted in the... Dude, seriously... Go in the garage. You're annoying. <laughs> Animals, am I right? Um, but yeah, his biggest argument was that like Israel drank wine and uh-huh. they they needed to, and it was a blessing because of the poor, you know, quality of their water. Right. But now, as alcohol has you know advanced through history, it's become more and more potent, more and more available, and therefore it is now inherently wrong to drink. It's kind of the sense that I got from him. I don't know if he ever said inherently wrong, but that was the biggest argument that I think he made. Yeah, he spent a lot of time talking about... Over half the book. Yeah, over half the book talking about really the evils of the alcohol industry as right. a whole. Right, um, which Which was kind of interesting. So I think really when you boil it down, his argument was... His arguments were one, alcohol intake is much different today than it was right. in, in scripture times. Um, two, that the alcohol itself was different. Right. I think you can make that. As far as the potency. As far as potency. And then three, this idea of priesthood, um, priests not being able to drink. So there's, there's a couple, of, well, there's a lot of verses about drunkenness. Um but there were there were a few that he spent his time on. So I think let's see here. This is Proverbs thirty one four through five, and it says, "It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted." And then Leviticus ten eight through eleven says, "And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations." You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. You are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So, uh, the proverb thirty-one, you know, it's uh, kings of Lemuel. So his mom's writing to him in, in Proverbs thirty-one that wine is unbecoming, strong drink is kind of unbecoming of a ruler. And then Leviticus ten flat out forbids uh, priests who are doing priestly offices like the sacrifices right. and the and teachings in the synagogue and things that they are not to be partaking of alcohol while they do these things and so he kind of says because of that um, it's just Christians shouldn't drink I mean there's there's, yeah. there's more nuance than that especially with the, the whole priesthood thing well he said because we're all priests right, right. right. so he, he quotes First Peter 1 First Peter 1 you yeah. know it says we are a holy nation a royal priesthood people chosen. of his own possession yeah people of his own possession and yeah. so since all believers are priests, right? And this would be something that we agree with. All believers are priests in this sense that since priests were not to drink then, we are not to drink now. Yeah. So I think we can talk about whether we agree with that or disagree with that later, but let's let's keep talking about just um, why people are so against um, drinking. And I think the Proverbs are full of it. So Proverbs mm-hmm. 20 verse 1 says... Wine is a mocker, a strong drink a brawler, and whoever's led astray by it is not wise. Right. Proverbs 23, 20 through 21. Be not among the drunkards or among the gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Uh, let's see. There's 
Proverbs 21, 17. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. I particularly love this, this verse because it says, he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. So here you've got a biblical verse uh, forbidding essential oils. So um, <laughs> right. take that. Right. right. You love essential oils? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they are expensive. It's hard to be rich if you're going to buy well, right. so, oils, right? I mean, that's, is that the point? I think that's the point of <laughs> oils and, and wines. I think the, the idea is extravagant living. Yeah. So when when we read... Well, I, don't, I know we're trying to split things up here a little bit. It's almost hard to talk about um, those who are against alcohol without coming and saying, well, that's actually what I think is a more biblical interpretation of that. Um, <laughs> Do you want to talk about just some of the other arguments then first? Go ahead, yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, the big one I always hear is um, to be set apart or separated. Right. So you don't want to have, you don't want to set foot in the house of a scoffer, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have any fellowship with, and that's, to me, that's a problem because that's a separate, like a separatist mentality, but I understand where they're coming from in that argument. Like we don't want to be seen as worldly, right? So what does it actually look like to be in the world but not of the world? That's something we can discuss, but um, that's a big argument that I hear all the time. What are some of the other ones you hear? Well, and I think kind of what we're just talking about here is I I used to get really frustrated um, kind of when I started to understand, okay, this scripture is not forbidding alcohol at all. I would get really frustrated with people who said that it is. And mm-hmm. I think mainly that's because it's what we grew up in. So it's a right. fight against the man right, sort of, right. in a small <laughs> sense. Um, and so it's I, I still am tempted when I kind of read this book, even though I thought it, it wasn't a horrible book. It wasn't. Um, it really wasn't. I, I found it really frustrating at times. Uh, but it wasn't a horrible book. Uh, or listening to sermons that are against alcohol or lectures against alcohol and everything, and I just get really like annoyed. I'm like, guys, are you serious? you're taking this all out of context? Blah 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 blah. But I think at the, at the core, um, their motivation is holiness. Yeah, I, th- I think that is that's what it is. Now I'm gonna, I want to come back and and talk about that kind of later and talk about this motivation for holiness and how it can be tainted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just. It, putting all the impurities aside, I think in and of itself, the idea for holiness is good. And the, uh, the hatred of drunkenness is good. Yeah. Right. So every time that someone says drunkenness is a sin, the scripture says this and this and this. Yes. And amen. I agree with you. Absolutely. So, so much. Absolutely. So I, I think that's good. Um, I don't know what else about this book. Cause this is kind of what we read. Um, yeah. Uh, what was it? There was one other thing I wanted to talk about. I don't remember what it was. Um, um, yeah, I, get, I think because to me, I don't mind having the conversations about alcohol, whether it's okay, whether it's not okay, whether you should or shouldn't. Um, to me, he made a point in there that alcohol is a really easy thing to give up, and I completely agree with it. Right. Like, to me, that <laughs> I've just never had that huge of an affinity for it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are other things in my life that I think would be much harder to give up, but alcohol not being one of them. But I, th- I think... When it comes to that topic, one of the reasons I struggled with the book in certain points of the book was because it seemed like there was a lot of conjecture in the book. There was a lot of, um, it's almost like he came up with a conclusion and then he went to task to try and find something to support it. So he's like, I think that we should assume that possibly this might have been the case. And therefore, if this is the case, then this is absolutely true. And I'm like, well, first of all, you need to prove that assumption before, before you know, throwing a yoke around someone's neck. 
Um, so I think that was the hardest problem. That Do you have any part. examples of that? Because I, I kind of got that sense, but I'm struggling to come up with it. Well, it's like, okay, so, so when he's talking about um, Jesus not drinking, right? Um, he had the wedding of Cana. Um, he mentioned the passage in Luke, I think it is, um, Luke 7, where Jesus came eating and drinking. Uh-huh, right. um, you know, and, and he pretty much was like, well, I think that we should be careful not to say that Jesus actually became drinking because, you know, that... He, they were just make, he, Luke was making a point about like them calling him a glutton, and that would have been just as absurd as calling him a glutton, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, ah, I don't know how to. Well, eating and drinking—that's the same thing, as far as gluttony is. As far as like overindulging in food and overindulging in drink. Right, right. But there was some. I, I, I'd have to read the passage again, but there were some mental gymnastics to right. get to the point where. Well, it's possible that Jesus wasn't actually drinking, therefore we shouldn't make that claim, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I, well, what I thought was really interesting about this book is, you know, like you said, he spent a large portion talking about the alcohol industry today, but he also talked about some differences between alcohol now and alcohol then and how yeah. the content wasn't the same and, right. and all these other things. and. That's that's true, and I know that there are other historical documents that do talk about oh, wine absolutely. being, you know, more diluted, yeah, two thirds water, one third wine, and everything, and right. more diluted and everything. But so what? Because if that's like that's true, and I'll grant you that's true. That's still a case for moderation, which yeah. is what I would say. Well, that and that's the thing. I mean, if if um, <laughs> if drunkenness weren't a problem, then you wouldn't see as many passages in Scripture right, yeah. against it that you do. Right. So obviously there was, in a sense, an epidemic going on around Israel. Right. Um, and there was a, a call against that. But the thing that I always struggled with was um, when he's putting up the comparisons, he's given us, you know, 2 to 6% for wine, mm-hmm. you know, of alcohol content. Well, 3 to 6% is what you get in most beers, right? right? So are you saying that, oh, well, what what Israel was drinking is essentially a beer. So go ahead and drink beer, but don't drink wine. <laughs> Today's wine is yeah. much more powerful than, than old wine. So I don't... Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't even think that's true. I think that wine, the, the alcohol content in wine today and alcohol content in wine then is the same before dilution. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So there was... And that's another thing. I mean, and he talked about that in the book too, that there were... Um, there were certain parts of the alcohol industry which would not dilute their wine. And that was not as common because it was so hard to drink. Apparently, it didn't taste good. Yeah. I mean, that was the, the sense that I got out of it. I don't it. know. Yeah, so I don't know. But, I mean, you can get 14% from the natural process. Right. And that's something he stated, too. So, And that's about what you see in today's today's wines, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere from 14% to 17 or so. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like, well, if... You know, if what they were drinking is essentially the same as drinking a Miller Lite or less, actually, a Miller Lite is like nothing. But, you know, the same God's as drinking people do not a, drink Miller Lite, Adam. a Wild Range Brewing Company IPA or something, you know, just something random. Mm. You know, that's that's going to be about the same content. So I didn't I didn't follow the argument in an abstinent sense, yeah. but it did seem to almost make the moderation sense. Well, I, he even, he says that Christians were permitted to drink in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. He says Christians were even permitted to drink in the New Testament. But he, I forget which chapter it was, but he, he made an argument that it was phased out. Yeah, which right. I, I, I remember him saying that, but I don't remember him giving any reasons as to why that is the case, um, other than the priesthood thing. That's well, the Timothy, only one that I got. So, so when Paul told Timothy, "Hey, drink a little bit of wine for your stomach, stomach aches and stuff," he made the point. Well, it's possible that Timothy was an abstainer out of moral conviction and Paul had to come alongside him and say, Hey man, you're sick. Like take some. 
but like that he was setting an example and since he was trained by Paul it's possible that everyone who was trained by Paul was an abstainer even though in like uh, Romans Romans yeah. 14 <laughs> you know Romans 14 Paul says like all things are good you know but if you cause someone to stumble it's better to not eat meat or drink wine in front of you know like to cause someone else to stumble so right. he basically says like it's fine <laughs> but if it's going to cause somebody you know if, what is, I'm going to read it actually go for it um Let's see. I know and am persuaded in the Lord that nothing is un- unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. That's a point I want to get back to is if you violate your conscience. Right. Um, so if anyone thinks it's unclean, it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you have regarded as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then us who pursue what makes up for peace. Okay, I'm just going on for no reason. Um, I thought there was more in there, but probably is later on. But, you know, at the, at the top, he makes the point. Like, nothing is unclean in of itself, and it's mm-hmm. fine. But don't cause someone to grieve over what you eat or drink. It's better to not do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, Paul may have been an abstainer just because he had such a huge platform. Um, and there was a lot of people that we're dealing with different convictions probably, but I feel like that's more on the meat side. I never really heard about that on the wine side. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, even if he, even if he is the fact that he's telling Timothy to drink, you know, and this this is, this is, I I mean, I gotta be careful here. Like he's not telling Timothy to be drunk, but he's telling Timothy, look, alcohol, like the results of alcohol will help you. It'll purify. Yeah. It'll, it'll it'll purify the water. It'll It'll purify your stomach. It, it, It will help you with the pain. It will help you with, xyz pdq whatever yeah um so I, I think that's fine and then as far as like, like what you had said about well maybe timothy was an abstainer because of this and everything i think that's great yeah like if if there's if there's personal uh, conviction or preference to not drink then that's fine and i i don't think that those who um take the permissive stance and take the moderation stance that people should force other people to drink right right so the last thing that we would want to do is violate someone's conscience and say right no you you should drink right um i think uh that argument may get a little dicey when you're talking about the lord's supper because i know that there are those who say that it has to be alcohol and if it's not alcohol it's not actually the lord's supper or or something to that effect i'm not there Uh, did you have any did you have any um thoughts on that chapter though um, which chapter? Sorry. Where he said there was no wine at the Lord's Supper. Uh, yeah, I thought it was less than well thought out. I, I I didn't buy it for one second. So I didn't I didn't put any research into it because I was like, oh, Aaron will have something on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I didn't spend a lot of time on it. But so he talks about all these other things, fruit of the vine, blah 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 blah. When you look at the classic text for the Lord's Supper for communion, which is First Corinthians eleven. Mm-hmm. Paul is, he's like, I'm not commending you and how you guys are doing this because you guys are coming together. You're not partaking together. You're, you're factioning off. So you got the rich people over here. You got the poor people over here. You're not unified. And furthermore, you guys are, you know, eating food, um, like you know, excess amount. You're drinking excess amount. You're getting drunk. If You know, eat and all this stuff before you come and then partake of the Lord's Supper. So yeah. the fact that in the Lord's Supper, they had those, the, elements there the bread and the wine and it was actually wine because people were actually getting drunk off right, it. like how right. first of all how ridiculous that people are getting <laughs> drunk during the lord's supper like that's just uh, diabolical it's like, like, it's like a, an abomination 
else you could say. I, I, seriously. It's like the Catholic Church where whatever is left over, you have to drink. Yeah. Because it's the Lord's blood or whatever. So you got those boys that are like, oh, I'll be that guy. I'll help you out. Yeah. yeah. Well, now they have like a whole like 15-minute ceremonial ritual where they can dump it out. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I don't know what, what it all entails, but I know they do have that. <laughs> Just for that reason, yeah. But I but, think it's hard. I think I think you'd be hard pressed to actually prove that it was not wine at the Lord's Supper; that it was something else. Well, I think even that that First Corinthians eleven proves that it was because yeah. people were getting drunk off. Now, of now it. to me, I don't think that it has to be. No, wine. I don't either. To me, as long as it's red, it, you know, it, as long as it's <laughs> fruit of the vine and it's red, right? So you can't don't get like Kool Aid. High and punch. You're not. No, you're not down with that. no, that's not good. That's not Why fruit not? of the vine. Why not? That's not fruit of the vine. Okay. Hashtag regular regular principle. Okay. I believe it. Do you believe it? I, I don't know. What is <laughs> what is the fruit? I don't know. We'll like, talk about that after. I guess. Okay. <laughs> I just want to know what fruit of the vine has to do with. We're talking about grapes. Yeah. Because when it's talking about the Lord's Supper or Passover, it's saying the fruit of the vine and unleavened bread. Right. So. Okay. Now you got to make talk all right, about. All right, all right. So is the vine a <laughs> circumstance or is it a? That's it's an element. It's or an element. It's okay. an element. It is all not right. a circumstance. So all right, we'll we'll talk about. It, that is, it is not a circumstance. All right. I feel okay. You. I feel you. I think I agree with you. Uh, let's see. Where do you want to go from here? Um. Uh. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know. Do you um, play a game and then we can maybe talk about some positive verses in regards to alcohol and maybe what we think about yeah, it. Yeah, and that book gave me some good things to think about, um, so I kind of want to discuss those with you, um, just as far as how do we, as Christians who are convinced that it's okay to drink, how do we actually practice that? Yeah, I love that. So, um, I don't have a game, dude. Shocker. Dude, you have dropped the ball. I have, all day today. All right, let me ask you a quick would you rather, and it's really dumb and it's lame. Would you, you rather... You want to tell me another joke? Nope, I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one that's not offensive. Would you? <laughs> My word. Would you rather go without beer for the rest of your life uh-huh. or coffee with it? Beer. Why? Um, I drink way more coffee than I, I hardly ever. I don't drink a whole lot. Okay. Uh, and I drink coffee a lot. All right. So that's very easy for that's me. That's a fun game. I, I man. would. I would definitely, definitely give up. I would not just beer. I'd give up all alcohol. All I would give it, up. I would everything. give up all yeah. of it. I would give up um, my pipe. Let's see here. All right, hold on. Beer and pop. Or coffee? Or coffee. Still. Still? You Still. do coffee over yeah. both of those? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I actually, I, I probably need to cut back on my coffee intake. How much coffee do you drink every day? Oh, a lot. Um, <laughs> probably 12 cups a day. Really? Probably. No. Oh, it messes with my bowels. No. There's no way. <laughs> I do. I promise. 12 cups a day? Yeah. Of yeah. coffee? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Of coffee? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I have, where is it? I can't. So one of these, this carafe right here, that's 12 cups. So I can easily drink that by myself. But we don't really use that very often. I use a French press. Um, and the French press the French press has like three cups. So I make one French press and I drink that while I do like devotions and stuff in the morning. Then I make another one and take it in a thermos when I go to work, drink that. All right, hold on. That's six. Is this decaf or regular? It's regs, Jack. Okay. I can't drink it When's decaf. the last time that you've gone without coffee for a day or two? I've only had one cup of coffee today. Okay, do you get, like, shakes? Do you get headaches I, and stuff? Well, it's probably... I need to cut back Are on you it, mastered it's, by something? It's, <laughs> it's probably that. Like, <laughs> when, I, when, when people talk be, about being, like, deserted on a desert island, the only reason I'm afraid of, be, of that is because there's no coffee. There's no coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I could survive, but I would I would be I just have massive headaches and would, oh my gosh. Um, so I have only had one cup today, and I'm okay. It's it's real. I don't know. I just like to drink stuff. You know, I'm trying to remember the last time I had coffee. 
Yeah, I'm sure it was with Hannah, but I can't remember. I don't know. Maybe was. maybe the next book is uh, should Christians drink Java, Coffee. a case for right. total abstinence. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can join the Mormons then. Caffeine, the greatest drug. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool. So let's <laughs> so let's get into a couple things here. All right. Um, so the wedding at Cana. Um, obviously, we know that was grape juice. That was grape juice. Wasn't that John MacArthur's argument that like it didn't have time to ferment? Like Jesus turned it to grapes, but it didn't have time. Yeah, to Yeah, I don't know if it's <laughs> so his. I've it heard was... it. It's, it's. I've heard that from other people before. And that listen, that may be true. I don't know, but it may not be as well. Like it, if it's called wine, it's it's probably wine. Well, the thing that the fact that it was the best wine, right? So that's the, that's the thing I always struggle with when I hear that argument. Um, because the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to everyone, or and said, everyone serves the good wine first. Um, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, right? Because they won't notice it because they're already slammed, uh-huh. right? So, so <laughs> jeez, I'm just saying that's what it. That's how I read it. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a wedding, it's a party. They've drunk freely. Then you bring out the the poor stuff and like, oh, we don't notice. Maybe they're not slammed, but maybe they're just like a little bit there and they don't yeah. realize that it's so, not the best wine. I, I really, I've been waiting on. <laughs> to use this but so there's there's a passage here you know so where mary comes up to to jesus and she's like hey jesus they're out of wine and jesus responses woman what does this have to do with <laughs> what does me, this have to do with me? and, and yeah. I, i'm waiting i'm waiting for mary to come up to me and ask me, my wife not mary of the bible my wife to come up and ask me to uh, something and i want to say as jesus says in john <laughs> chapter 2 woman what does this have to do with me <laughs> exactly Exactly. That won't go over well because she hates being called woman. Woman. Because yeah. woman is offensive. Yeah. If you, if, if well, your wife is very progressive. Well, no, she's really not. <laughs> but um, but the, the way that's used a lot of times, it yeah. is it is flat out offensive. So. I understand. I understand. Um, Stoking the fire. Okay, so let's. I want to talk about two things first. So let's talk about the concept of stumbling. Yeah. Right. So I just read Romans fourteen um, not long ago. What do you think it means to cause a brother or sister to stumble? Uh, I think uh, there's a few different ways I think you can cause someone to stumble. First, you can cause someone to stumble by... um, So, for instance, you've got someone who may be prone to alcoholism, to drunkenness, Mm -hmm. and and you drink around them and they say okay well here's this this other christian he seems like he's a strong christian he loves jesus and everything he's drinking maybe i can drink a lot and they just get taken up by it yeah um i've got a really 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 good buddy who has struggled with alcoholism for a long time and i he's it's kind of weird because he's not like addicted to it yeah. necessarily as much as he's addicted to the bar scene kind of thing and all, all these other things but the lord has really worked in his life a lot mm-hmm. and um Praise he's God. He's recently just said, okay, I'm done drinking alcohol. I, I, I won't do it anymore. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I'm not going to drink around you any, anymore anyway. Then, you know, and it's not like, it's not like, I don't think if I had a beer in front of him, he would automatically fall. But I do think I would be setting up him for him to stumble down the road. A right. hurdle, right? Right. Um, and so I've told him that I love him too much to drink around him. And I think that really should be our kind of mind frame whenever we're around anybody who is one against alcohol or two um, maybe so I think it's the better part of prudence to not drink around a Christian brother or sister that you're not familiar with okay yeah. so you would say don't drink or well that would pretty much take you out of drinking altogether so well right any, so, in any kind of public setting well not necessarily 
I'm not saying I'm, I'm talking about like people that that you're socially interacting with, people um, in your congregations that you don't know well yet. So I know there are people at uh, Second RP who are totally against alcohol. There's people who are kind of in the middle, and there's other people who are saying no, it's, it's a moderate. That's right, that's right. the biblical teaching. So I'm I'm really careful about who. And honestly, this is probably the most bold I've ever been. When talking about alcohol because this is going out to the whole world, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll see if there's any uh, pushback in that. All that, seventeen people. All seventeen <laughs> people. But I know we have family members who are really against alcohol and yeah. Um, yeah. they love the Lord and, and everything. So they, I, I, whatever. Um, sure. So I think that's one way of causing someone to stumble is drinking and then they fall into sin. Another way is um, drinking around someone who is against it, and so they can not stumble necessarily like you're not you're not the cause of their well is this person a christian or not right um but but you may be putting unnecessary barriers between you and them okay maybe i, I don't know does that make sense <clears throat> so so you're talking about somebody who has a conviction that we should not partake in alcohol at right. all right and if you drink in front of them you're not going to cause them to start drinking and not have a clue and just you know, go off the deep end to become an alcoholic. You're not talking about that. No. You're talking about somebody who might fall into sin and a struggle in their mind to say, like, oh, I'm judging this person now. Yeah. Like, oh, this person's drinking, like, now all of a sudden there's this... Right. There's this wall because we have a difference in... Right. Okay. And then I think thirdly, <laughs> you can cause someone to stumble is when you... When there's someone in that category who thinks alcohol is wrong and you're saying, no, it's not, and then you're trying to... Con- like push against them and say no it is you should drink with me then you're causing them to violate their own conscience which you should never do right so and there's times and places to have that discussions like yeah. this but you are not you we are not to force our christian liberties on people because it's christian liberty you have the liberty to partake or to abstain yeah and i think there needs to be mutual respect between both parties i agree and I, but I, I don't i don't think that it necessarily falls on those who do drink to you know, play big brother and babysit whoever they, you know, sure. because it's one thing if you have the knowledge of it, it's another thing if you don't, right? Mm-hmm. So there needs to be grace on both sides. Right. You know, if, you know, for instance, someone comes to your apartment, visits, whatever, and your roommate has a beer or something in the fridge, are the, is it your job to hide that from them, <laughs> you no. know, or is it, no. or is it their job to show grace, you know? So I think it kind of goes both, I think it goes both ways um, in that camp. Um, what about drinking with, with non-believers? Oh, it depends. Because that was a big argument, and that's actually one of the things I wanted to, to talk about, is how do, we, how do we be set apart for Christ and still drink? How does that right. work? Well, I think, so, I mean, even Proverbs and all those things, they, they go hand in hand when they're talking about, you know, alcohol and gluttony. So do you go to a buffet with a non-believer? Yeah, you, you can do that. Um, there, there are certain things where it is unwise, if not flat out stupid, to put yourself in a situation. Right. Right. So you were talking about, you know, you were in New Orleans and people out there getting hammered and drunk and right. wasting and stuff. Eh, probably not a good idea to do right. that. Right. Going, going to a bar on a weekday, that, you're probably more safe. Going, like, say, Broad Ripple over here on Friday yeah. night at 1030, you're just asking for trouble. Right. So I... I, I would I don't think that's a wise situation. Okay, interesting. Um, so I, I I don't think it's wrong to drink around a non-believer, not for one second. But I do think wisdom and discernment need to be administered when we 
do. Well, I'm just talking. So it depends on who the person is I'm and what the circumstances. I'm just talking about your witness, though. I'm not talking about like putting yourself in a situation to sin. I'm talking about how do you how do you maintain a witness for Christ while drinking? Because here's the here's the thing. I think that a lot of people who are abstainers have a have a have a perspective in their mind that if you drink with somebody else, that that automatically ruins your witness. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. This is kind of what I'm working through. I almost feel like Christians should drink with unbelievers because I don't think that we need to be exiling people or putting up walls like you were talking about earlier. Um, I had a really good conversation with somebody on a trip when I was in Iowa for work mm-hmm. um, where you know we were drinking and they asked, do you want another one? I'm like, no, I'm good for tonight. This is you know, And then it just built from there and I had right. an entire gospel presentation. But if I were just in the mindset of like, oh, they're drinking, I need to separate immediately and go to my room, that interaction wouldn't happen. Right. And I think that there's a perspective or there's just, there's just a, a – um, I don't know what I'm looking for, but there's a, a thought about Christians, that Christians are just weird right. Christians, you know, and to a sense, I think we should be weird, right? We should be different. We should be called set apart. Um, but I don't think that we need to be awkward, you know, right. and I don't think that we need to be abstaining from everything. Cause I think that's a, that's a, that's a type of uh, dualism, right? The spirit is good. The body is bad, right? So we need to abstain from everything that, you know, is pleasurable to the body. Like that's not scripture right so what are your thoughts uh i'm sympathetic to it i think that uh like i'm going to stick to what i said wisdom and prudence yeah because you have that aspect of it where the fact that you do drink leads into better conversations uh but just as easily if you had a coke and the guy said hey why not drink a beer sure you could have said well i'm a christian and i you know so i think both work and i think that's that's what people who would say no don't drink alcohol at all because then that's even a a better witness maybe maybe not so yeah it it depends on the situation it depends on the person so that that's what i'm going to say and it's up to you as the individual to determine which one yeah. is best. Well, and I don't think that alcohol is ever a prerequisite for sharing the gospel no. with somebody ever. No. Well, um, you got people who yeah, you get tattoos all over the place and you know drink and you know. Yeah. There's just a, there's a there's a there's a separatist mentality that I really struggle with though, um, because it's not just limited to alcohol. I mean, the guy made reference to dance. You know. Yeah. You know, that was that was like ridiculous. Dancing is evil. You know, just like there. There's there's a lot of that type of thing. Certain types of music are evil. You know, basically anything that's not a hymn. Even the Psalms are probably well, evil to some people. You know, you know in the <laughs> different camps. I'm not talking about a church, Aaron. I'm talking about anywhere. You know, okay. but like, you know, so there's there's this whole idea of separate, 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 mm-hmm. separate, which I really struggle with because that's the exact opposite of Jesus' ministry. Um, and I do think that it is putting a huge emphasis on. Like we need to only care about the spirit and the spirit and the spirit. We can't we can't focus on the flesh, right? There's right. nothing. I, I don't think that God designed us that way. So I really struggle with that mentality. Now, with that being said, we're not Jesus, you know. Right, definitely so, not. So so I wouldn't necessarily parallel your ministry around going and hanging out with adulterers or whatever and making that your your practice. But there's there's something in the separatists that that I really struggle with, like. Um, even with my last relationship, someone broke up with me over alcohol, right? And it was one of well, those things. She said it was over alcohol. It really had to do with your giant nose. Probably, honestly. But, you know, that that that, that <laughs> idea was I tried. Yeah, now you feel bad because I didn't react. Uh, 
but the idea was I, I put something together and I, I laid out my thoughts and I wish I had that still so that I didn't have to prep for this at all. Uh-huh. You know, but I laid it all out and put it on paper and gave it to her. And two weeks later, it was like, it's over. Sorry, we don't see eye to eye on things. And I think that that's just a, a function of separatism rather than like, hey, let's work through things. Let's show grace. Let's show love. It's mm-hmm. just split. Right? right. And that's what I'm afraid of when we deal with other believers with that mentality. And that's what I'm afraid of when you deal with unbelievers. Um, yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those things where I agree with everything that you said, and I, I think, unfortunately, especially like young Calvinists like ourselves, can say, "Okay, we have this." So instead of being separatists, we can be completely immersed. Right. So there's there's there's, there's there's no amount that you know it's it's fine to get drunk, right? Because drunkenness is actually a lifestyle, not like a every now and then kind of thing. Which I've heard. I, I've heard that's that absolutely too. ridiculous. I think so as well. Or, or we have Christian liberty to watch anything that we want. Right. No, right. you don't. It's no. not okay for you to be watching nudity on TV and, and movies. That's just right. that's inappropriate. And there's all kinds of other things, right? right? It's not okay for you to start swearing and using all kinds of cuss words because you know people will be like, oh, this guy is cool. I can talk to him now. No, if you're right. using the F word or taking God's name in vain or any other host of things, then th- that's sin. Now we can talk about that. We're not going to have that discussion about yeah. swear words. There's there's nuances there yeah. that I'm that I'm okay with. Um, but there's, there's all kinds of things where you say you, you go from one end of the spectrum to separatist to immersion. Right. <laughs> where really, you really need to be <laughs> sprinkled with, but no. Yeah. Um, right, right. <laughs> but there's, there's a fine line where you have to walk. It, it, yeah. The, the gospel line where, in a sense, yeah, you are completely separate and, and it's the end but not of. Right. And, and working right. that out it, is a lot more complicated than we make it out to be. Yeah. It's a lot more complicated. Absolutely. I don't know. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and there's there's definitely there's definitely wisdom to be had um, in that too. I mean, you can't you can't just jump in full. I mean, honestly. So this is one of the things I was thinking about is that I really um, I really empathize with people that have this mentality of let's not drink, um, just because you can see that the abuse mm-hmm. of of alcohol has caused a lot of hurt. Right. It really has. Um, and yet, I think there's a, a almost equal, if not just as equal, ditch on the other side of the road, which is throwing a yoke around other people's head that is not found in Scripture. Right. Right. Um, and so, I, I think there just needs to be. I think there needs to be love on all sides. It's all love. It's all. It's all love, it's all love bro. Yeah. It's, it's all love. Yeah. Um, so, kind of on that note, you have uh, people who say, "Don't get drunk." Um, Whenever you take a sip of alcohol, it's your body starts to react to it. So, oh yeah, I think you know it's or or even people who say that I'm, I'm trying to be careful how I phrase this. You and even, I, I thought like this. Um, I don't even want to come close to it because I'm afraid of what it might do. Hmm. Right. So I don't even want to drink a little bit because that may lead to drunkenness. Sure. Um, thoughts on that. Um, I think that mainly those arguments come from people who have never touched alcohol before. Um, and I, I get scientifically that there, you know, that you can see that there's something that's changed, but mm-hmm. as, as I've experienced it, you know, two beers does almost nothing. Three beers, you're starting to be like, well, I'm not going to drive, you know, four right. beers, you start having, impair- you know, that kind of thing. And it depends on how quickly you drink it. And it depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a girl that's five, two and weighs a hundred pounds, you're probably basically oh, my wife. Yeah. Going to be more susceptible, you know? So I, the arguments about sober mindedness, I think get blown out of proportion yes. when it comes to alcohol sometimes. Yeah. 
uh, it doesn't mean that it's not a good argument. Like we should be sober-minded, right? We should be watchful. But I don't think that people understand if you have a beer, it does nothing to your mind for for most people, right? right? So, yeah, that, I struggle. I struggle with that one quite yeah. a bit, actually. I I think the the mentality is perfectly acceptable individually. Yes. I think yes. I I get really. Like actually, really, really concerned when people start to say that and push it on other people, right? Because this is this is what the Pharisees did, yeah, right? Where they would say, "Here, here's a law: don't get drunk." Mm-hmm. So we're going to build a fence around the law and stay fifty feet away from it, just so we don't get anywhere near it, and then we're going to force everyone else to, yeah. Um, so individually, that's that's great, and I've even thought that way, and that's sometimes I still do think that way, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you start forcing on other people, that's when you become pharisaical. And that's when, when you start to put your fence over the law of God. Yeah. And, th- yeah. and that's not good. So, for instance, the scriptures are explicit about do not have adultery. Right. Okay. Or do not fornicate. Do not have any types of sexual immorality yep. in your life. Yeah. Okay. So, that means I'm not going to talk to any women. Right. Because I don't want to be tempted with it. I don't want to come anywhere right. near to it. Right. Or this guy, I'm, I'm sure he wrote this book on a computer, right? So he wouldn't right. He wouldn't build that same fence around... Pornography. Right. But I think that when we come to things that are inherently sinful like that, it's like, dude, build a fence. Yeah. Yes. Seriously. But when you're talking about the issue of alcohol, I think that's a totally different thing because it's not inherently sinful in and of itself. But I still think as an individual, like, if your conscience demands it of you, do it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I just I, I that mentality is good for you. It is not good for you to force on other people. Right, that right. that's all. So, um, and even things that are inherently sinful, like adultery. Yeah, right. But but it's it, it would be just as sinful to ignore half of God's created people mm-hmm. because you don't want to fall into that temptation. Sure. Um, so I, I don't know. And I don't know if this actually was written on a computer. This maybe was... Uh, the book was probably... Typewriter. Printed, but maybe. he maybe used a typewriter. It's possible. <laughs> this book was probably it's written in the possible. 70s, I think. Uh, let's see <laughs> here. Uh, what, else? what about... Because uh, I know there are some... Actually, I have a friend. He and his uh, um, soon-to-be wife were looking at becoming members of this church, but because of a clause in their church vows that say, abstain from alcohol. Like, if you're a member, you cannot drink. Uh, they decided not to not to go there, or mm. at least become members. They may still go. I'm not sure. What do you What do you think about that? When a church says, in order to be a member of our church, you cannot have alcohol. You must vow to not partake or sell. From the church's standpoint, or from the people considering the church standpoint, both. Okay, from their standpoint, as in the people that are considering becoming members, that's their prerogative. Uh-huh. If they wanted to or not, that's fine. I I really have issue with um, I really have issue with the church putting that in their in their membership guidelines or right. bylaws or whatever statement of I don't know what they would have put it in but you know their covenant agreement I guess mm-hmm. um, I, I have an issue with that because I don't think you can make the case for um, for sin you know and if it's not sin then I don't think that you should be putting it in there. So, I don't know. That's yeah. my thoughts. So. You know, I, I agree with that. The uh, RPCNA used to have a clause in the elder vows, if you were to become an elder, where you could not drink. Um, and that got repealed, I think, in the 80s or, or something but like that. I can that. empathize more with that. I think there's more scriptural evidence to support being in a role of authority in the church, being an abstainer. Or at least that might well, be a good guideline. Yeah, but n- not really, because the um, qualifications of an elder are not to be given too much wine, not 
not don't drink any of it. Yeah, it's true. So that's true. That's I, true. I I would push back on that. Um, and and even things like so, psalm singing I think is commanded in scripture. Right. But that's not in our membership vows that you have to believe in exclusive psalmody. Right, right. What is is that you have to submit to the teaching of the elders, and that's what we sing. So that's what we will sing. So you come to us and want to sing psalms or, or hymns rather, uninspired hymns, and we would say, "Well, I'm sorry, no. Right. We're sticking with the psalms on your own time. But on your own time, <laughs> right, right. Uh, not not in corporate worship. So right. I mean, even even things like that. And you know how strongly I feel about these kinds of things. But you can't. Um, not drinking alcohol is not a mark of a Christian. Right. Psalm singing is not a mark of a Christian. Right. However, holy living is. So I think uh, that's probably all we need to say on that. I can. I really want to talk about psalm singing, but I'm not going to. Uh, we will at some point. <laughs> we, will. we will. Or or maybe we'll just take all the snippets of the times what we've talked about on each cast and just throw them together. Just throw one big conglomeration. Yeah, that'd be a mess. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think we've already talked about the objection, why it is not the same as it is now. We have not, however, talked about um, the idea of priests and us being priests. So just to um, refresh the memory of the argument that, what is it, Leviticus 10 talks about priests who are um, going about doing the priestly sacrifices and teachings and stuff are to not touch alcohol during their uh, moments of service. Yeah, I think that's the key. Right. And... Since now we are all priests, um, Allah, 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 not not like Allah. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that. Allah, First Peter, um, we are all priesthoods, and then uh, Romans twelve, offering up spiritual sacrifices. We are all priesthoods. We are all offering up spiritual sacrifices. So, um, after you get done giggling, what what, what what do we think about this? Um, I think that it's. I think it's a regulative principle thing. Uh-huh. I, honestly, I think it's like. Well, maybe it's not. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Um, to to me, I don't feel like I have a great grasp on what it means to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know it's not the same as performing the rituals that you see in the Old Testament. So I don't know where. Why don't yeah. you answer this one for us? Well, I think. I, I think it's one. It's an argument that sounds really, really good, until you think about John four. Where Jesus says, "I want people to worship me in spirit and in truth," so you no longer have like a physical temple and physical this and that and mm-hmm. all these other types of things, um, but you do have, we do still have worship, but it's a spiritual sense, right? So we've got the singing and the preaching of the word and the sacraments and all this stuff. So there, are, there are physical elements to it, right. but the worship itself is spiritual, um, and the physical things are just conduits for that. So spiritual. why the command? Then the command is just so you don't screw it up. So you're inebriated, is that why? Yeah, it, well, exactly. So you don't, and this comes in right after Nadab and Abihu, who offer strange fire. So right, I think right. a lot of people parallel. Not only were they offering up strange fire, they were doing it because they were inebriated. Maybe I haven't done enough study on the inebriation part to um, comment on it. But either either way, like you're you're doing God's holy work, so you don't drink. Just like we would say, you know, if you're operating heavy equipment. You don't you don't drink at work. Surgeons are not to drink at work. Pastors should not be drinking while you know they're preaching, unless it's maybe the Lord's Supper, which is just a right. little, little right. bit. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I I hear it, and I think yes, that this is prudence, but this is not like a, a command that because we are all priests, 
it's not the same type of yeah. priesthood. It's not the same same type of administration. It's not the ceremonial law. Like you can claim that it's the moral law, and the moral law would be drunkenness, not the ceremonial sacrifices. So, I I, I don't buy it. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably better responses to than that, but I just don't. I don't buy that at probably. all. Probably. Are there any positive verses about yeah, there's wine a lot, or actually. alcohol or anything? There are. There are. Um, Why don't you lay some on me? So let's go ahead and end, end with these. Okay? Maybe we, we can comment on them if, if you want. So let's see here. We've got, first of all... Deuteronomy. Yeah, you 14. want to read Deuteronomy 14? Go ahead. Yeah, Deuteronomy 14. Um, they are going to celebrate something somewhere. Context is good, right? Um, <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? No, go ahead. It's just, you know, All Day right. of Atonement, whatever, big Day sacrifices, that that's where they're supposed to go. Yeah, yeah, Day of Atonement. All right, so they're going to this place. They're supposed to be taking all their stuff with them that they're going to be sacrificing to the Lord as a tithe, right? Uh-huh. Um, and it says, and if the way is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe, i.e., you know, the firstborn of your herd, wine, grain, oil, all that stuff. If the way is too long for you, um, then let's see. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind it up, bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen, or sheep, or wine, or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat it there before the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you, because he was a Levite and a priest. Um, but that's it. So spend your money, get whatever you want, ox, sheep, wine, strong Greek, well, whatever your appetite craves. Right, and I think what, what's really perplexing about this whole thing is that you're, you're going and you're, you're bringing your tithe, your offering to the Lord at his I think it was, at this point it was Shiloh well not even Leviticus because they hadn't quite gotten to the promised land right. but the tenth of meeting essentially um, and then Jerusalem later on but if you can't get there the Lord tells you sell that stuff and then go and have a church potluck together right. more or less and whatever you want, get, all, get all this food and, and buy strong drinks, so this is not, you know, two-thirds water, one-third wine. Right. This, this would be strong drinks. So the CSV, or CS, yeah, CSV translates that as beer. That's fine, whatever. But the point is that it's got a lot of alcohol in it, and it says to enjoy it. Yeah. Right? To enjoy the food and to enjoy the wine. So there is a explicit command from the Lord to drink there in the Old Testament. Yeah. Right? You've also got Ecclesiastes 9.7. Nine, yeah, nice. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved of what you do. So there's another... Uh, can I read verse 8, though? I, yeah, always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Right? So there's a caveat there, I think, that is, like, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine, be joyful, but always be clothed in white. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> always anoint your head with oil. Right? Like... I'm not sure exactly what that means other than be consecrated or set apart is what I think that means sure. in a spiritual sense. Sure. But I think there's a caveat there. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, the cat, I mean, that's good. The that's caveat is to, to enjoy all these things in a holy manner. Yeah. So, yeah, enjoy it and it makes your heart merry. But you were, again, like the, the commands about drunkenness, no one's fighting that. Right. We're not, we're not here saying, well, drunkenness is this or that. And I think there's room for that discussion. Um, but... The, these passages that we've just read say enjoy alcohol yeah 
like enjoy it. it tastes good and the effects to a degree very explicit there are good that you are to enjoy in all holiness yeah. without violating god's law i agree i agree and then you've got um psalm 104 which the whole psalm is is you know bless the lord my soul my whole blah 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 so everything it, it, it's a song of blessing and thanking god for all the things that he's created and all the things that things that he's done and then in verses 14 and 15, it starts to say, you know, God, you have caused the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for the man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart, mm-hmm. right? So so all these things that, that God has given man and man is supposed to work the ground, he's supposed to produce food and supposed to produce wine and everything, and it's all to gladden his heart, right? T- to make him merry. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I didn't, there's a lot of other, a lot of other, passages in scripture that we could have gone to i didn't want to spend the whole time yeah doing that I, I i think that's that's good enough yeah i think that i think the idea behind it is whatever you do do to the glory of god right yes. he's blessed you with everything but you are still within the confines of glorifying him in everything that you do right right so when you drink you you drink to rejoice and and um and enjoy god's gifts right and it should point you to worship like you know so um all those things are within the confines of bringing glory to christ right so right so whether you drink or whatever you do dwell to the glory of god boom boom okay guys that was uh episode 21 um i hope it wasn't too controversial i i really don't want it to be i know that it that it may be um i know especially for those who are convicted not to drink that this this could be an issue and i'm not at all trying to tell you that you have to drink yeah you shouldn't feel like you should go against your conscience right i think that would be sin what what i what i hope that this does is i hope that um it can we're able to communicate grace on both sides of the aisle right and and both understand that we're both wanting to live holy lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, that's all. I don't know. We've got we've got a lot of other topics that uh, we're planning to do for you guys. We'll we'll see where that goes. Um, I think the podcast is growing a little bit. We've got a few new listeners that I've noticed. Um, so I'm excited about that. Not we got no reviews though. So yeah. I'm a little bummed, a little sad. But I guess nobody gets books. Oh, we still need to send that. You still need to send it to her. I do. You said you were going to send her a used one. A used what? I don't remember. For you said, Holiness? No, you said the other one that you haven't read. Uh, oh, the B.B. Warfield book? Yeah. Um, I didn't All right, here's, here's your... Oh, we don't need to talk about this. This is your responsibility. Message her online. Tell her, hey, she won a thing. <sighs> okay. And ask her if she's comfortable with giving us an address that we can send this a thing PO to. Box. A P.O. box or something. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I right. wouldn't be comfortable with giving my home address to some Joe Schmo theologians. Yeah. Who I knows what those guys it. are like. Probably suck. All right, y'all. Until next time, remember every Joe Schmo can grow some mo. Peace, y'all. To the sky.